This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders. You're accepting of whatever comes your way. You're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. Oh, it's fantastic to have you. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, you're very welcome. We're excited to chat with you. Um, So it says here that you provide one-to-one coaching using traditional coaching techniques that are supported by Reiki energy work. Um, And you also use uh, something we talk about a lot on the show, actually, um, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, uh, trance and hypnotherapy work. And you say that a mix of these approaches makes it super effective in allowing quick changes to happen in helping clients move closer to living the life they want. And that this can include career, business, relationships, self-acceptance, healing, breaking the emotional legacy, gaining clarity on life, manifesting and law of attraction. And the best part of what you do is seeing the breakthroughs in people's lives and that you love to hear about people's successes, people loving their lives and your clients being able to gain closure on years of issues or trauma. Welcome, Avshad. It's so, it's, it is, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for making time for this today. Well, thank you so much for both of you for having me. So your bio there just describes all sorts of really lovely, juicy things, doesn't it, Claire? <laughs> <laughs> definitely does and like yeah because I'm an NLP hypno as well so it's like oh yeah I love anything like that completely get that's how it makes it really mm. transformational oh, yeah definitely so it sounds like that you've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about and we really want to get into kind of the work that you do and the the services and support that you offer people but just to sort of start us off um would you be okay to just tell us a little bit about how you got into this line of work in the first place it's actually a personal story you know for me I don't really think if, and if I look back you know in school I never knew anything about mental health you know Fast forward COVID and now, you know, it seems to be a bit of a buzzword, the mental health, well-being. But going back to my younger days, I never knew what that was. And, you know, you carry on, you know, life is what life is. It wasn't until my father passed away and it was, it was, you know, a tragic, quick instant. So he was in hospital, saw him. Next couple of hours later, we received a phone call that he's no longer with us. That shock and that truth. So I never got really got to say goodbye that trauma really impacted my well-being because I was the oldest what I did I took on the role to make sure everybody else was fine and what I did was I didn't really deal with myself my own mental well-being I suppressed emotions I went to the doctors I fell into depression they prescribed pills and I was like I was just scared I'll be honest I was just really scared for taking the pills I was like what if I get addicted you know I'm falling apart I don't know what I'm doing 
what if I get addicted? So I was like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Took time off work. It got to a stage where it was so bad. I was, no, I found every day a challenge. And I just made that drastic change. I was like, I have to leave the UK. I actually left the country. I left for five years. And with like any emotions, anything that's not dealt with, you press it, press it down. Eventually it comes up, it's a bit like Jack in the Box. And when it comes up, everything goes everywhere. And that's where my emotional, really mental well-being journey came. Because at that stage it was worse because, you know, over the year things had accumulated and that me realising, obviously, it impacted my children, my family. And then I came back to the UK and I had to deal with it. It was, I'm not getting any better. I, and, you know, I can, my, one of my friends actually said to me, you know, you need help. And when someone says that to you, especially a close friend, you know, you know, it, that it's got too far. So that's where my emotional wellbeing journey really started from my own personal experience. Wow. Goodness, thank you for opening up and sharing with us there. Um, it's actually a lot of things that you're sharing that mm. probably resonate, mm. certainly with me, and I'm mm. nodding here, we're recording this, yeah, I, I think I can imagine this, and I imagine our listeners as well. Um, mm. And it's really interesting what you're saying there about unresolved issues, unresolved trauma. I think so many of us walk about with this stuff, don't we? Um, without even really realising it or, or going there. Um, yeah, wh why do you think that is, Abchan? I just kind of dive straight in there with a deep question no, like that. I think most of us don't know. We've never been, like, when I'm talking about my generation, even when I'm looking at my children, no one tells you. There's no, when you go to school, academically, you get told what to do. Mm. But no one really talks about your mental well-being or health issues. It's one of those things that always has been hush-hushed. You know, when mental, no, no disrespect, but mental health back in the day was like, you know, you're weak, you just can't cope, you know, resilient, strong people don't break down, you carry on, you know, tough as boots, those are sort of things where you heard, yeah. and in the corporate world, you've got to be like a man, you know, so these were the things that we were taught, we were never told to be, you know, really consider our emotional wellness, so if this is this is how you brought up. Well, this is the education you receive. How do you know what you know, mental well-being really, what good mental well-being or health issues are? Or well-being, or sorry, health well-being is? Who tells you what is the book? I know people are more you know, educated now. People are having those conversations, discussions. Well, if you're still very old school or you come from that culture, how do you discuss it? Because it's still very embarrassing. You know, people are embarrassed. You know, I have people messaging me, but it's very hush-hush. They're embarrassed to talk about it. They won't go on my Facebook or Insta and say, you know, okay, I've got this issue as well. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Only those people that have gone through that journey will say, yeah, I get where you are. I've been there, I've got the scars, but I'm on the other side now. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right in what you're saying, that we don't talk about this stuff. It is becoming a little bit more... Um, open and um you know kind of a bit more prevalent a bit more understood but I think actually um there's still a lot of work to do and we've got a lot of work to do on ourselves something that we talk a lot about um in the work that we do Claire and I and also on the show is about this importance of getting to know ourselves 
And I think, you know, you, you alluded there to how we don't really have the opportunity to have that kind of exploration when we're growing up. And I mean, one of our kind of missions is that we hope that young people are becoming more aware and are becoming more attuned, you know, into the importance of, of, of mental health and mental well-being. Um, it's just a shame that it has to be brought on by, you know, kind of reasons like global pandemic and all the pressure um, that they have to struggle with. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it seems to me that from what you're saying is that, you know, you, you've undergone this transformation, you've had this opportunity to kind of get to know a side of yourself, but that it was a friend of yours that was sort of instigated that in a way or kind of helped to give you that bit of a nudge. Um, what did that feel like, if you don't mind me asking, you know, when your friend was sort of said that to you? I was so embarrassed. Honestly, I, I you know, on the, on the face of it, you know, you're thinking, oh, thank you. I had wished the earth had opened and I would just go in because you don't want anyone to say that to you. And because uh, when you step back and you pause and you know, now when I look at, even now I'll get weeping when I think about it and I was thinking, Gosh, I must have uploaded so much on that friend for them to say you need help. And you know, I must emotionally drain them and everything else. You know, we never talk about it. I've never approached them and said to them that, you know, oh, well, I do, you know, I've said thank you, text me, but we haven't verbalized it, talked about it because I still get emotional. And, you know, she, she just says, you know, okay, that's fine. And because it's still raw with us, because, you know, she's seen me go up and then sort of in a way, see me crash in front of her. And, you know, it must have been quite devastating as a friend to witness that. So, you know, when I put myself in her shoes, I do feel embarrassed. And but I didn't know enough. I do forgive myself because I think I didn't know any better. I was caught in the midst of it all. And I'm just grateful, you know, they did tell me and guided me to coach. And you know, I went to coach myself, you know, a coach helped me because I'd gone through the traditional counselling, but counselling hadn't helped. They kept you know, looking at the outer you know, symptoms, how to move on. No one actually went back and said, okay, let's get to the root of you know, what's helped cause this. How can we work backwards to move forwards? That's really interesting. I think you've touched on some really interesting points there. First of all, about, mm. you know, you use this word about feeling embarrassed, but then you also saying that, you know, you felt you feel grateful to your friend mm. and that you've had that opportunity and that you're still kind of working through that together with your friendship. Mm. um and it's that's our instinct isn't it to kind of feel embarrassment or to feel like you know we need to be coping and that we can't show that vulnerability even to people we're really close to um and, and that's something I think for us to to really work on you know within our society um no definitely yeah but that's great that you kind of acknowledge that I think I think that's amazing that you you know that you're kind of you can say that you're grateful for that and that it's it's sort of given you this opportunity. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sh I think Claire's going to have something to say <laughs> about some of the stuff that you were kind of like um, touching on there. I can I can feel her feel her presence. <laughs> what I'm, I'm I mean I again thank you for sharing that because sometimes it's not easy. But I think the fact that you're able to verbalize it and you're open about it can really help other people 
to because there is but I think people think that stigma is completely gone and we know it's not that's what's what the, let's talk well-being is all about it's about getting people to talk about it more and to really shine a light on things that's if they're not in a good place being okay with that one of the things that really impacted for me with what you were saying was like the emotions and you didn't deal with those emotions and then they come back up like they do and I always think that they come up and you can't you get to a point where you can't push them away anymore they're like bigger because you've not dealt with them at the time and we're really big on dealing with those emotions Um, myself and Sue were doing a mind pamper um, the other week and one of the ladies in our guided meditation went to a place then she was like I was thinking about my troubles and I haven't been before and I wasn't okay with that and we had a bit of a chat about it because it's sort of like they're clearly there and so if you keep trying to ignore them you know at some point they're going to be really knocking loudly going not going away now I'm here you're going to have to deal with me so rather than running away from our emotions it's about really leaning into them and going okay what is going on here now for yourself you obviously with that grief you were there and you felt like you needed to be there for everybody else Mm. but you needed to go through that grief as well what do you think you do you do anything differently now that you didn't do then when things come up for you with your emotions well definitely I'm more like you know I'm more in tune with my emotions so even when I wake up in the morning I sort of, you know, people do a body scan, I do an emotion scan. So it's like going through, this is where the Reiki comes really handy. It's going through and just feeling my energy and taking a step back, thinking, how do I feel today? Mm -hmm. And even listening to my words, you know, what kind of words am I using? What kind of tone language? You know, this is why the hypnotherapy is so good. It's what language am I using? You know, what tone is it? And thinking, stop, what's going on with you? And, you know, if if I'm not in a good place and, you know, I'll be honest now I used to write out initially when I first started journey I used to write out and now it's okay let's get this out and it's like pick my phone up you know write like a journal it there put it on notes it's out of my system and then I'm, when I'm happy I can go back thinking you know, what's going on with me today but I think you know one thing I'm going to actually go back to is you know we talked about emotions you know we're all different we're all different and the culture I came up came from is that we don't really talk about emotions you know you don't don't talk people probably will my culture probably see this as a you know basically airing your dirty laundry in public mm-hmm. and it really isn't that there's so many people that suffer in silence and you know they fear of being judged and you know we're all humans we all have emotions and the thing life does get to us sometimes you know we all you know want to be strong we wish to be strong and tough and get on with life and live the best life but sometimes you know with the highs you do get lows and the lows can be low as well mm-hmm. and this is why it's so important to reach out and that's the mistake I made I bottled it up I didn't know where to go because of the counsel that was offered really didn't help at the end I was like okay let's just get through this and the doctor said I have to do it let's go through this tick 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 mm-hmm you know I wasn't honest you know it was it maybe helped on the outside but there was no at that time this was nearly 10 years ago plus there wasn't that knowledge really out there people didn't really signpost you and people didn't really talk so you know, I didn't know where to go mm-hmm. I had to just put this mask on and go to work and think I'm fine 
and have a cry or you know whatever I did in private and then be there present for my husband the children the family everybody else friends but it was just this vicious circle just keep changing the mask I didn't really look after me yeah I mean that's just it it's so impactful I think Mm. it really really resonates with like Mm. what I've done in the past and where I've been totally um I can see that obviously we may have felt differently but you're not ready to maybe open up you're not ready to Mm. be honest and, and face things and I think you're totally right what you were saying before about we're not taught at school. We're not mm-hmm. taught, right, these are emotions and they're telling us information. They're giving us this information. We need to look after ourselves. You know, that doesn't get taught. But actually, you know, I think that's fundamental because if we get taught that, we can actually deal with other stuff. So we can deal with other things that come at us if we sort of learn that wherever we are, we're okay with that. One of the the words that you used, that judgment, I think has a huge impact on people everywhere because they're scared of being judged. And we also compare ourselves to others all the time. And yet we really shouldn't be doing that. What's your take on like why people sit in judgment? Why we compare ourselves to others? Why are we worried about this judgment that goes on? If you, you know, this is a simple way, so if you take us back to school, it's, you know, we get judged on our marks. We get, now parents judge us on our behaviour. So, you know, straight away, when we, you know, as soon as we start understanding, it's like, look at your brother and sister. You know, they're so well behaved. Why aren't you? Look at your cousin. You know, they're doing so well. Why aren't you? You've got the same resources. Or, you know, you come from the same family line, you know, same parents, but one sibling can outperform the other academically or have another skill set we get taught from a young age to get to win our parents love to get somebody's attention we have to do what they ask us to do so you know where do we know any different yeah it's that belief system in us isn't it it's sort of like it's yeah we're doctrinated in some respects yeah all all the way through our childhood Mm. so it's no wonder so I think I I really I wanted to ask that question because I want people to realize that it's not something they're doing wrong Mm. you know the the fact that they are fearful of judgment and stuff like that it's not that they're doing something wrong it's that it's been really you know inbred in us it's been told to us so much that we really took that on but actually I think what we need to realise is that that their beliefs we no longer need, their beliefs that actually need to get changed. And what we do need to do is more talk about things, be open about stuff. Why do you think coaching work for you or rather than counselling? For me, coaching, it was, you know, we start talking about the emotion. One thing was we start talking about the emotions and then going into depth on the emotions and so what that did was like finding out the, the story, going back to the roots, where did it all start from? And they you know, the, you know the inner child, the attachment, you know, I was attached, very attached to my father and he was not, not just my cheerleader. He, you know, we had this strong bond. He was in a way like my backbone. So when he left, I crumbled because I had to really have, you know, even, even though I've become an adult, I was self-sufficient, 
but in a way I wasn't emotionally self-sufficient. I was you know, reliant on him. I didn't realize at that time my emotional reliance, how strong my emotional reliance on him and well-being was related to him. And it was not until he went, then I had this hole. And then to keep him alive with me, what I started doing was actually connecting to him in death. But it wasn't really serving me. It's not until recently, you know, I realised, I thought, why am I still connected? The cord is still strong connected. The cord is, you know, you know I wish you, you know, obviously departed and always will remember him. I remember, you know, he, there's a legacy there. But I need to let go of the cord because it wasn't serving me. I was still attached to the past. I needed to move on and need for me to move on, to progress and actually really utilise my energy. I had to cut the cord and say, thank you, but I need to move on now. Wow, that's so powerful what you're sharing, mm. actually. Mm. Um, yeah, it's kind of touched me really, mm. <laughs> really deeply. Mm. I, I love some of the ways that you you phrase and that you frame what you're talking about. Um, I just wanted to take you back to when you're saying about other people do a body scan, I do an emotion scan. Could you just share a little bit about what that involves when you do that um, as part of your daily routine? So in the morning with like the emotional scan, it's, you know, I usually spend a couple of minutes in bed, so I don't just jump out of bed. Okay. So it's okay. For me, it's, I'm in bed. And, you know, I make sure nobody talks to me. I'm in bed. I pretend I'm asleep. <laughs> so my husband doesn't pester me. So I'm in bed and then I just check with my body. And that can include the dreams I've had. Sometimes we have dreams, you know, and then because... I'm not sure what, sometimes my jaw's tight, so I'm not sure with, whether I've had a, you know, a rough night or anything. Then you know, if I can sense that tightness in my jaw, I'm thinking, okay, something's coming up. And then I just do from head to bottom, to my toes, really. And it's thinking, what's going on with my body? How am I feeling? Am I feeling relaxed? Like this tightness, for example, my throat or my jaw, it'll tell me, I've been thinking about something or I've been talking about something in my sleep unknowingly and that may come up for me and it's like a, not a warning but it's it reminds my body be kind if something does come up be open be receptive because some emotions like anger frustration bitterness especially if there's tightness around my jaw it, that's usually what the signs are for me and in regards to my heart how is my heart feeling because sometimes I can, I can just feel weeping. I think, you know, where the, did these tears come from? And but I give myself permission to cry because it could be that, you no, know, something's resonated with me. I'm not sure what it is, but I forgive myself for crying. And the same with the rest of my body. Is it tired? How's it feeling? So it could be I've got a mix of emotions. It could be remorse, anger, tearful, happy. And but just parking them there because it could be once I've come out of bed, brush my teeth. I may be in a different space. That's and really they may come, yeah, and they may come back again though, because you know after you've come off autopilot during the day, when you when I'm not really watching what I'm doing, they may appear, and I and I have caught myself having conversations with myself, and I'm thinking where are these conversations coming from, and it's because I've been mindful in the morning, and then I've had those conversations. I'm like, okay, this is what was coming up my way. This was expected. Thank you for letting me know. And listening to my body myself and sense of emotion, thank you. You know, I've got it now. You can go. 
Wow. That just, oh, I love, I love this because I'm sorry, I always get excited. We get excited when we talk to our guests, Claire, don't we? It's just it what everyone's sharing because it just seems to me, what I loved about what you did there is that you're, you're connecting what's going on in your body with what's going, how you're feeling, what's going on in your mind and that you're using the clues that your body is giving you the information to sort of relate to sort of you know like you say you're feeling a, a, a tenseness but you're not just kind of acknowledging it you're actually allowing that to come through and you're curious about where is that is, coming from yeah so this is so to cut you there this no. is the difference that I noticed with coaching because mm-hmm. with counseling I didn't have that they didn't really talk about they talked about emotions but didn't really go into the depth and especially the body scan the inner healing work and all that so it was not until I came into coaching so, you know, whatever I teach and uh, pass on to my clients, I always say, I've done the work. This healing journey isn't beautiful, I can assure you. You know, at the end, no one really talks about how low, how painful it is, because in a way, it's going like cold turkey. And I recall myself going through that. And it's similar to, you know, I, you know, I, don't, I don't take any recreational drugs or alcohol or anything, but I see what it's showing to you. When you see someone go cold turkey or media in regards to you know drugs, and I and I say emotions are like that. You know, when you go cold turkey, it's really really painful because you have to face your fears, you have to face those emotions, and it can really cripple you. But if you hang on there and get through it, even if it's just literally by your fingernails, you know you do need a strong support system there, and that's where coaches are really good if you just get hold on to that hope and you, when you just turn the corner you're trying you know it's magical it is so magical because you've passed that phase and you look back you think oh my god how did I do that and you are so surprised by the evidence because you have changed that's so interesting because what you're saying there about you know how you you recognize that that the intervention the counseling wasn't it wasn't doing enough for you um, but and I think a lot of us would be inclined to think, you know, if it, something wasn't working, I must be doing it wrong, you know, because I'm not getting what I need from it. Um, so and obviously you've kind of you've sought further support. What, what kind of how did you do that? How did you you obviously knew that it wasn't working, but you went through the process because, you know, it was part of the, you know, the, the support you were seeking medically. But how did you then sort of know to go and find a coach because like people out there might be thinking well that wouldn't occur to me I wouldn't know that you know coaching was something that could support me with my with my mental well-being I was really really lucky because one of my friends actually you know a medical practitioner was herself so you know I went through you know spoke to us this hasn't worked so I gave it some time so I wasn't like you know I stopped coaching and sorry counseling and then I went to coaching I gave it time because with everything you have to give it time to integrate into your body yeah. into your own mental and emotional well-being because sometimes when you finish something you think oh it hasn't changed it helped but a few weeks or months later suddenly you have that light mo- in a bulb moment you think oh gosh it did help no this is I, my response to this is totally different and that's when you see the evidence with me I allowed that time and then I thought you know it hasn't helped so when I was speaking to my you know, friend, that's how you know, she guided me. She said, oh, I know somebody, she's a coach. You know, give her a go, some combination. But, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. 
And then after that, in a conversation, and I thought, okay, and she, we talked about, you know, what the issue was. She was like, I'll do these packages. I start with six weeks, six weeks later, 12 weeks to, you know, now another further six weeks, another 18, so it was 18 weeks later. And it was like, okay. And then she was like, she was very kind and honest with me. She said, you need another coach. So she didn't say, I know, I went through the phases with her. She helped me with the initial few layers. And then she said, you need to, I think you need some extra work done or extra help. And this is when I went into the energy side. So when I you know, moved oh. to the second coach, she started doing the energy work. And that's when the shift really, really happened. Because, you know, I do a lot of chakra work. And, you know, I know with that, you have emotions hidden in different parts of your chakra. So for me, a lot of it was really my heart and in my throat. So when I talk about my jaw being tight, I know I need to say something. I'm hiding something. So she did a lot of work for me there. And that really accelerated my you know, shift. That really transformed it. I, lo- I love this story because there's a lot of talk in the well-being world. There's a lot of people offering services. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Claire and I were having a conversation just the other day about how, you know, there's a lot of people out there kind of, and a lot, and it creates skepticism, you know, around mm-hmm. sort of the, the how the support will work. Um, is it just that people are out there just to take my money? But you know, it seems to me that in that example, this coach had kind of reached a point where she or he had done whatever they could do to support you, and then it was kind of recognizing, well, you need further work, but this isn't something that I can offer. So you know, this is for somebody else to kind of take on. Um, so I really like that side of, of the story of what you're what you're sharing there, but also um, just where that led you, you know, in terms of you know you working with your chakras, recognizing the importance of energy. What was that like at the time? Was it? It's almost kind of like I'm imagining you're walking into these different rooms with all this different stuff happening, and the, you know it's kind yeah. of like more information coming your way, more transformation coming your way. What can you remember? What that felt like at the time. I'll be very honest, I didn't believe any of this. So it was like, okay. yeah, I wasn't a believer. I didn't, didn't know what Reiki or chakras was. You know, I was like, okay, I've gone to, you know, through counselling to this coach. And okay, I'm sort of, you know, a logical person. My background, corporate background is, you know, finance, logical. You know, what on earth is chakras and Reiki? What's this wishy-washy stuff? I was like, you know, I didn't know. So this, I'll be very honest. Now, when people do say, talk to me, and I'm like, I hold my hand up. I was in the same boat as you. It's not until... It happened, and and I remember. So I remember actually sitting. So you know, my coach said that I'm going to do some energy work in the background. I thought, okay, she's doing some work, woohoo work, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I was sitting with watching TV. My son, like, he was like, oh, come in, you know, sit next to me. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, sat next to him, and I actually felt something change in like a click, in literally in my heart. So you know, you've got the heart chakra, and it's between basically, you know, your chest. And I felt a click. I didn't hear anything, but I I know there was a click. And all of a sudden, I just I remember he was like, you know, it was leaning back next to him. I remember sitting up straight. And I thought something's changed. And that's when, and that was one of the incidents because I had to know other things that happened to me as well. But that was the incident when I know straight away something had changed in me in my heart, and even my throat. You know, so you know those were my problem areas: my heart chakra and my throat. So I do get when people, you know, question energy work and I say, I'm the same. I was the same, but I have seen the evidence when I work with my clients, I will talk them through the process as well. And I say, you may feel something, you may not. 
And then sometimes they don't. And then a couple of days later, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, we felt we've changed. And I said, yeah, it does. Sometimes it does take a few days to integrate. So we all, everyone's looking for a quick fix, but you know, sometimes that quick fix can't happen. If you know, it's a bit like, you know, you know, we all have ovens, you know, if you don't clean the, you know, the grill or anything, you know, the grime builds up. And you know, in one go, if we've had, you know, a year or 10 years of grime, one go, our oven will not look sparkling. So it's going to take a couple of times. <laughs> so this isn't it's how I, I try to, I'm like, you know, if we know, this is in the practical world, you know, if we look at it that way, you know, the same with our chakras, we don't clean them, all the grime, all our traumas, all the issues that we, from childhood to whatever age we are, they build up. So we can't, in one session, we can't expect everything to be, you know, hunky-dory sometimes. Sometimes it is, I'm not saying it doesn't. Sometimes you'd be surprised at the change, but sometimes it does take a few times. And it's rightly so, because, you know, like for myself, I had years of trauma, and for me, everything had been cleared in one day. I may have been an emotional wreck as well. So we have to be careful with our emotions. I think what the sort of people forget. They're like, you know, why am, aren't I fixed in one go? And I was like, you can't because your body or your emotions can't cope with it. You have to, you know, to care, look after you tenderly, to care for you slowly. It's lovely to hear that because it just reminds me about another of our um, guests who we interviewed, Ali, and she was big on energy. Um, it's I, That's where it started. I've not done chakra stuff, so I can't comment on that. But something shifted in me when she was talking about this energy. And what you're saying there, I think, is really important that we can't deal with everything all at once because it we just couldn't yeah it would like floor us and I think that's so important for people to hear but I also I loved I love that analogy of like yeah if you've built up that gram in your oven one clean is probably not going to get it all done you know there's probably still going to be stuff there and you're going to probably have to go back to it but we do, we, we get this all the time and I'm not saying other people do it and I don't because I do it as well. You know, I expect myself to be fixed. I expect, well, I've done this and I'm doing this all the time. So why am I not okay with that? And it's just because other things come up. And I think rather than giving ourselves a hard time over it, it's just about maybe just showing ourselves some kindness and going, okay, you know, this has come up again, right? So what do I need to do about that? And I, I just, I'm, I'm loving how you're phrasing things, are you talking about it, that I'm really hoping people out there are getting that it's sort of like, you can try things and don't, yeah, don't expect a miracle to happen the first time. Things will slowly start to shift because, you know, we've, we've been growing with this for some time. So give yourself some time and compassion, but keep going back to it and keep trying it out. But also, if you find then that maybe that's not for you, that may be not for you just right now. And maybe there's other work you need to do first. And maybe you come back to that at a later point. So I love that you were sceptical. You started off that way. I know myself and Sue have gone through the same kind of thing, been sceptical about stuff. Sue's been sceptical about things that I've talked about. It's really worked for me. And then suddenly she's tried them and it's like, mm, not sure about this. And then waited and tried it again. And then suddenly it's like, no, actually, really like that now. And I think that's big for everybody to just maybe don't dismiss things straight away. 
the fact that you're from this like finance background, so you're very logical, um, theory, that kind of thing. And I think that it helps, like helps you to maybe go, that's not going to work for me more so. You know, I think the fact that, you know, the, you've come back to that and you've tried it and then realised it's worked for you just goes to show we just need to come with an open mind and that's really important. I think people are going to get a lot from what you've said already so far. And I, I, I just I find it really powerful. I want to ask you, so obviously you wake up and you do a, an emotion scan, which is fabulous. Is there anything else that you do on a regular basis that supports you with your mental well-being? I do a lot of journaling and uh, it's got, yeah, it's got to the stage where I'm very honest with myself. And, uh, you know, when I was in the midst of it all, I would look in the mirror, but not really look in the mirror, if mm. that makes sense, because, you know, I didn't want to have, hold those conversations. So if I have those days where I'm not... So for me, journaling has actually given me insight for themes. So even when my clients always say, look for the themes. Now you can write, write the sentences out and look for the themes, the emotions. It could be anger or even the language you use. You know, what is it saying? It could be some built-up frustration that you're not really allowing yourself to speak about. So for me, looking in the mirror, if I, if I can't look in the mirror, it means I'm actually bottling up something that I need to deal with. And then it's like, okay, go back to the phone. So for my journal is on my phone. What is it that I've been saying? And I use my phone or the journal, like talking to a friend. So now it's got to say, I don't want to pester people. I keep offloading onto people. So I offload to my phone. So I tell my phone what's going on and then go back because obviously it doesn't know if it could, it probably will answer that, but it doesn't answer that. And then I go back, I think, okay, this is what's happened. Deal with it and delete. I don't keep, because people do say to me, do you not keep a log? And I said, no, I don't keep a log because I'm moving forward. I don't want to move back. I don't want to dwell in the past. That's so interesting. That's, mm. Yeah. I like that because I was imagining this kind of I was thinking oh you must have all these records on your phone yeah. but actually you've just answered that question you also answered yeah. another question that I was thinking of which was kind of how you know how do you begin this but it sounds like you you know you've got a system that kind of works for you and I love this idea of you're kind of treating it as this is your offloading space that there's it's just sharing whatever's on your mind um yeah, whatever's going on for you in that moment that you need to kind of get out. It's like a purge, isn't it, I suppose, where you're kind of, you're ridding yourself. That is so important because what you know, I always say was doing the energy work and the chakra work, and I said, the body keeps score. And because I do a lot of the energy work and I know I've worked with my clients and I have some long-term clients as well. And, you know, one of them the other day, now I did actually ask, I said, do you still want to work? because there's certain times that they can't feel anything and but I know what's going on and I'll, and I'll give them the feedback and I said do you still want to work and and he turned around and he said you know it's a bit like an aspirin he said I may not know what the aspirin's doing but it does you know it gives me relief same with your Reiki I may not always know what you're doing or feel it all the time but it does give me relief that's lovely, and, that. 
And I was sort of, I was blown away. It was the first time someone's actually said that, you know, we talk about, you know, I like the analogy they provided. And I thought, that's so true. That's, um, it's really interesting. So do you do your Reiki within your coaching as well? So is it all sort of like, is it that whole package? What kind of thing is it that you do? So with my clients, I'm very open because I do appreciate this times where I won't do Reiki. So especially when there's new clients, I don't always offer Reiki because people aren't skeptical. And with Reiki, there needs to be that trust element there because I have had, you know, people have said, yes, I'd like to do Reiki. And when you go connect with, you know, you have to ask permission. You can't just do Reiki. So when you connect energetically, there's resistance there. And they've, you know, on the outside, they've said, yes, they're ready, but they're not really ready. So I do ask my clients, you know, given the option, if you're ready, then we'll do it. But I would never force, you know, somebody, some people don't believe in energy work and I would never go, that's an option. It's there, there's other tools available as well. And then we talk about NLP, hypnotherapy, trance work. There's other tools that we can do. But with Reiki, what it does, it gives me, I can normally tell from the language, the way a person's body, you know, how they actually carry themselves, how they talk about, you know, the future, how now or the past I can always sense you know where the blockages are or you know the good thing about you know, us being children is it's that we're allowed to say you know, for example we've got a stomach ache you say we make where does it hurt and they would sort of point to this part of the body and like, oh, it hurts here and they say oh you know then I know normal children or you know when they were younger or my niece and nephews like or oh, describe the pain what did it look like the color and they'll do that but as we get older we think that's childish but, you know, the energy work and the pain's still there. But now we don't actually visualise it. So with Reiki, you know, once they start doing Reiki with me, and then I can sort of ask them, okay, you, how are you feeling now? And they may say, oh, I'm feeling this. And I'm like, where on your body do you think this, this is? And they can pinpoint. It's usually close to a chakra that you already know where the issue is. So you don't even have to connect. Sometimes, you know, you don't have to connect. As you know, sometimes, you know, you connect and you know there's an issue there or there's an underlying issue which they've not been aware of. Oh. I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got I've got a friend who does Reiki, but I don't I don't really know what mm-hmm. it's about. And and like I say, I've not come. I know about the chakras and and things like that, but it's not something I've ever worked on. But I do find it fascinating that obviously people people come to this and they're able to identify that, and then you're able to support them with that. What would you say to people who are sceptical? That's fine. I'm glad they are because I was sceptical. And it's not until I, you know, you know, when, when I entered, you know, when I said, okay, you know, when I was offered Reiki, I was like, okay, let's see if it works. So my initial introduction to Reiki was I had a frozen shoulder, had everything, you know, injections. Uh, so I had uh, shock therapy massage I was three times a week at the physio and then what happened was the other shoulder got impacted as well so I had literally two frozen shoulders got to the stage six months later you know I was thinking that even the physio was like we might have to do go towards surgery get you referred to your doctor etc and I was like no I don't want to go down that path that's when I got introduced to Reiki and I thought you know what's now I've gone through everything when you've got nothing left you're willing to try anything that's when I tried it and I was, I was very, very shocked straight away. I felt a change. I went back to the physio. I didn't tell him anything. I thought, he's going to think I'm loopy. 
And he said, what have you done? And I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? You know, you know it's gone worse. And he said, you're 95% healed. And I just looked at him and he said to me, I've known you for six months. Anybody, when I told him, no, this is Reiki. He said, you're a sane person, a logical person. And he said, you know, if anybody else, I would have questioned it. I thought in this woohoo stuff. He said, I don't believe in this. Mm. But he said, can you give me this Reiki practitioner's number? I want to speak to her. And he did. He spoke to, you know, he did speak to her. Mm. And uh, then I went back to the coach. I said, you know, you know, I told the coach, I said, you know, he wants to speak to you, etc. Anyway, I went back to my physio and he said to me, I've got the patients who are in the same boat, not as severe as you, especially the elderly. He said, I would like them to have a better quality of life and help them if this can help you. And I know you're sane. It can help somebody else as well. Okay. So it's, it's also taking, it's ripping it apart because, you know, we've been told academically this is, you know, you go to these people, this academically, this is what defines, this is what science confirms, etc. Science hasn't, you know, recognises the aura, the energies, but science probably hasn't, or we haven't invested in understanding a lot more. And Reiki has been around for thousands of years. It's nothing new. This is it. These are kind of like ancient traditions, treatments, mm-hmm. ways in which, you know, people heal and support themselves and each other. What I love there in that is that, you know, that the... Um, the support you were getting there from the physio that they've had that open mind but it's interesting isn't it that they've had they've kind of trusted your judgment on it based on where you're coming from but then look at what that's opened up in terms of maybe the way that they go about their work and the connections that they've made for other patients so I think it goes back to what you and Claire were discussing before about just keeping that open mind and just how important that is for us with our our mental wellness isn't it you know that actually the more kind of open we can be the more we're able to allow different possibilities in but I think when we're struggling and when we're in those dark times our instinct is to shut down isn't it it's to close everything off would you agree with that Acha? Totally. No, we've all been there you know people have gone through this you know mental well-being journey we've all been there we've all seen the dark days and I think this is why we're so sympathetic and empathetic with people because we can recognize that we can recognize that pain and how the difficulty there and this is why we share our own stories not to get the sympathy but to say we get you understand you know where you are we're here to support you please don't feel embarrassed you know because we've gone there and you, know, you can see we've you know we've moved on we have healed yeah, that's I think really that's well said. It is really well said. I think that's a really important point, actually. And and going back to what we were saying before about the the platform for the radio show and for our podcast is very much about you know wanting to to give life to these stories. And it isn't about going, oh look, this is what I did, so therefore you need to copy me, or you know you too can be mm-hmm. like I I was. It's about sharing that insight and the learning and the journey and the path and. To just kind of, it provides reassurance, I think, for people. But I think it also kind of it helps to open the mind. It helps to kind of stretch those possibilities and allow those in. Something I wanted to ask you about, and I'm I'm really conscious that you know we're kind of we are kind of on a bit of a, a time thing with with chatting with you this afternoon. But um, 
a key theme that sort of seemed to come up in a lot of the things you were talking about. You didn't necessarily use this word per se. I think it, you did mention it once, but it, it's something that I know you have a resource for um, and when people can connect with you on social media. But you talk about self-acceptance and I know that you've got an ebook that people can download. So what, what is it about self-acceptance that you think is so key to all of this sort of healing process? I believe everything starts with self-acceptance. You can't actually love somebody until you love yourself. And people say, no, no, they may disagree with me. And I, and I, and I could talk from experience. I said, I love my children to bits. I really did. But in the same breath, I didn't love myself. When I was in the midst of it all, I know there were, there were days, you know, you know, when I was in depression, I didn't have a desire to live. I'll be very honest, you know. But what happened to me was, it was... You know, I still love my children, but because I didn't have a desire to live, I didn't accept myself, I couldn't love them 100%. Mm. And they didn't get the full of me. And, you know, those days, you know, I can look back and you know, feel guilty, you know, how dare you, you know, you should have been a responsible mother. But I was in pain. Yeah. And I had to go back and actually heal that, forgive myself for that. So this is why, you know, I do say to everybody, please do reach out never ever embarrassed you know I, I get emotional I still get emotional years later and we're talking about 10 years plus my children are adults now I won't get the time back but I hope they you know when I talk I talk I'm very open about my mental health and my well-being I talk to them as well and anybody that listens to me I I will say is you know I when you work with me there is no judgment because I can't judge I have gone through that path and I know how painful it is so I'm going to you here so please do reach out and this is why self-acceptance is so important you know this ebook you know I hope you know it can change even if it's just one person it provides them with some insight that's something that Claire and I often say if we're just helping one person it kind Mm -hmm. of it has that effect doesn't it because then Mm -hmm. it's like you're saying from your own experience you know Mm. in order for you to heal for you to have that acceptance of yourself and to love yourself that mm. puts you in a stronger position than you know to be the the parent that you want to be and to, mm. to offer you know yourself in the, in the way that you want to for your kids and for your family but it's I think we forget ourselves don't we we neglect ourselves and I know we talk a lot these days about self-care but I do wonder how much of that is more kind of surface stuff and 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 you know that kind of being prepared to dig in and self-acceptance is something I know I've personally struggled with a lot and still do and I'm still working on that I I kind of feel like we're always we're always working on ourselves but I think for me the it's lighter these days it's a bit lighter you know because I'm kind of getting more tools in my toolbox and I'm opening up and talking a lot more about things and and sharing those stories in the way that you you're advocating That was an extract from our radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. You can listen in every Thursday between 12 and 2 on HCR 92.3 FM or online on hcr923fm.com.